I really like as a marketer to have a portfolio lens to look, be able to look across companies at the same time and impart best practices from one to the other. Tool, new tools, new tactics, things like that. So that's for me. So I have multiple clients at the same time. Other people want to be fractional because they don't want to work full time. They still really want to be an operator and they're really good at what they do and they want to work three fifths or four fifths or something like that. And so this just provides more flexibility for really top notch marketers to to live the life that they want. Hello, hello. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, depending on when you're listening to the newest episode of the People Digital Marketing Podcast with your host, Kenny Soto. You just heard a brief clip preview, if you will, of this episode, episode 109, with our guest, Arlen Davich. Before we get started, I do want to share who Arlen is. Arlen is an entrepreneurial executive with a proven track record of building and scaling consumer tech businesses as a startup founder slash CEO. She's worked at Payperks, All's Well, Shop Shops, and Fortune 50 companies like Walmart. She specializes in direct-to-consumer strategy, brand building, demand generation, and digital acceleration. She's currently building her latest venture, Littlefish, a company that deploys top-tier executive talent on a fractional or interim basis to grow early stage e-commerce businesses. I wanted to just quickly say that I'm really grateful that I have this podcast. I was editing this over the weekend and I just realized that not only with Arlen, but with other guests, this is the perfect excuse for me to meet really, really, really smart people. Um, if you're listening to this podcast for the first time, this podcast is dedicated for anyone who is a marketer and who wants to know the career paths that are available for them and how to get there. And even if I've had people in the past who are founders of MarTech companies, founders of agencies, people who are expert individual contributors who have then transitioned into being a freelancer slash in-house. And in this case, for Arlen, someone who is a fractional CMO, it's good to have people share their journeys. Again, that's why this podcast is called The People of Digital Marketing. And with that being said, I like that I've discovered this new path. I always thought that if you became a CMO, the only other two paths ahead of you is you continue being a CMO internally at different corporations, going to bigger and bigger firms organizations that are public, organizations that are private, a mix between the two, or you become a co-founder or founder of your own business and transition from CMO to CEO, COO, et cetera. Arlen has provided a third option, that being fractional, being a fractional executive, a fractional CMO. Now, I won't belabor the point and start trying to define what that means because that's what we go into during this episode, but as you're listening, consider if this is the right career path for you. It may not be, but again, that's the whole point of this podcast. So I'm prone to rambling. I will stop here. I hope you enjoy this episode. And if you haven't done so, subscribe or wait and listen to this conversation I have with Arlen and see if it's worth your time. I hope it is. Now, without further ado, let's tune in. 
Hi, Arlen. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm doing very well. I'm excited for today's podcast because you are the first guest that we have on the show. This is episode 109 that we'll be discussing a new topic that I myself have discovered this year. Didn't even know it was a thing. Didn't even know it was a career path. I'm teasing it. I don't want to talk about it just yet. First things first, I want the listeners to get more context about you as professionals. So my first question is, how did you get into marketing? So right out of college, I thought I wanted to go into advertising. And in a funny story that happened at a cocktail party, I was pitching myself to the husband of a woman that worked in advertising who happened to work in public relations. And we had we hit it off and he offered me a job on the spot. Shout out to Zachary Hastings Hooper. Um, and that's how I started my career in marketing. I worked in PR. I did um, worked in an agency. We represented lots of magazines and celebrities and authors and stuff like that. And, you know, I really like appreciated, like learned the brand side of marketing there, but was typically at the was kind of like an order taker for a lot of my clients. And so I wanted more of a seat at the decision-making table. And so that's when I went to business school because I wanted to learn the quantitative side of marketing so I could be more of a full funnel brand and performance marketer. I didn't know the term performance marketer at the time, but when I was at business school, I focused on brand management, which is like, you know, the hub of the wheel uh, in marketing. Um, Typically, you know, you grow up there in like a, CPG companies are very good at brand management. And so I worked at Dannon for a bit learning that. And then I was like, I even want more of a seat at the decision-making table than that. And that's when I transitioned into like the CEO kind of a role at companies where marketing is what drives the business. And I think this is a perfect segue to just jump right into fractional CMOs. Can you tell the listeners, what is it that you're doing today? Yeah. So I'll explain it vis-a-vis how I got to this place. So, and I'll continue that arc that I was talking about. about. So I went from brand management into entrepreneurship where I was CEO of a few companies. And then I landed at Walmart where I was an entrepreneur in residence. And I ended up building a brand called Allswell, which was a, um, is, still is a mattress brand that is owned by Walmart, but is a, is a direct-to-consumer mattress brand that competes with with the Caspers and, and such of the world. And although it was a big success for Walmart, so much so that they, my scope, it got expanded to be group president of a portfolio of brands. And so overnight, I went from being brand president to group president. And so I had to figure out how to scale myself and what I brought to one brand to a portfolio of brands, call it five brands. And it was so, so rewarding for me for a lot of reasons. One was I got to mentor and coach a whole bunch of more junior GMs and presidents and sort of level them up. And two, I really got to understand my own value and what it is that I bring that's unique to companies and document my process and what I now call the little fish operating system that actually can accelerate brand growth. And so that's what I'm doing now outside of Walmart is I'm basically replicating that fractional model where I spend um, a portion of my time with several companies. I have the same process and methodology that I activate at each company in order to 
accelerate growth. And um, I started this just because that's what I wanted to do with my time. And then, you know, I think you're not alone in that you haven't heard of this fractional executive or fractional CMO thing until this year. It's very new, or at least I think there's a a growth in the market, a growth in the demand for fractional executives uh, driven by some of the externalities of COVID um, and some of the increase in appetite for remote workers. And there's a lot of factors that led to the rise of it. But because of the rise of it, I'm now just starting to train and place other CMOs in my methodology. So the Little Fish operating system is now a playbook for being a great fractional marketer, a great fractional CMO. And I'm now working with a handful of other CMOs who want to deploy the Little Fish playbook and then working with companies to help match them with the right Little Fish to execute on their needs. And how would you define what a fractional CMO is? A fractional CMO is, an, is a CMO, an operator in a business that spends a portion, a fraction of their time at that business. Just to give more context, what type of businesses, what type of companies do you work with? And what, and we can extrapolate here, what kind of companies work well with a fractional CMO? So at Littlefish, we focus on consumer growth businesses. So businesses in the consumer space that are fast growing. So typically growing like 25% at least year over year or have the ambition to. And from a scale perspective, I'd say anywhere from 5 million in top line to 150 million in top line. And that's where I think as a fractional executive, you can bring, we call it like the speed, humility, and agility of Little Fish um, and actually enact change. And for the most part, what would you say are, I guess, Let's look at both sides of the equation. What are the advantages for someone becoming a fractional CMO? And part two would be, what are the advantages of a business hiring a fractional CMO? Yeah. So for myself, the reason I like to do it is because marketing is such a dynamic space. It's changing so quickly that uh, if you're stuck in one company and you don't have a portfolio lens on the market, you kind of miss, it's like that, that Ferris Bueller quote, um, if you don't stop to look around, yeah, I don't remember the exact quote. So I really like as a marketer to have a portfolio lens, to look, be able to look across companies at the same time and impart best practices from one to the other. Tool, new tools, new tactics, things like that. So that's for me. So I have multiple clients at the same time. Other people want to be fractional because they don't want to work full time. But they still really want to be an operator and they're really good at what they do and they want to work three fifths or four fifths or something like that. And so this just provides more flexibility for really top-notch marketers to, to live the life that they want. On the client side, there's a lot of benefits to having fractional. So one is you might not be able to recruit the, there's a shortage of supply of the kind of CMOs that a lot of companies want right now. These unicorn marketers that are half brand, half performance, have worked at high growth companies, are really uh, good at enacting change in a, in a fast way. If you can't recruit those people, but you want that kind of energy and you want that kind of person at your company, being open to a fractional person can certainly help you get that kind of talent in your company. That's one, that's one reason to do it. 
Another reason is you might not be able to afford that kind of talent in your company. And so it might be help you in, you know, afford that. And the third reason is interim, right? So you you are trying to recruit that person full time, but you know these searches are taking longer and longer. So it's going to take you six months. And so you want to hire someone in the interim who can like fill that patch. And you know, you can it might be easier to find someone fractionally than it might be to find someone full time. What skills does someone need? Obviously, they need to have experience as a CMO, but are there any skills? hard skills, soft skills that might stand out for selling yourself as a fractional CMO? It, what we look for most is someone who has been a sitting and effective CMO before. So there's a lot of people that, you know, we only accept, I'd say, 2% of the people that apply to be Little Fish into the Little Fish program. A lot of people came up, you know, on the brand side or just on the performance side and they're like, I want to be a CMO. I don't think they're the best people to be fractional CMOs. Fractional works best for people who've done it a million times and they can almost like do it in their sleep. And, and so that's, I think, the, the, best, the best candidate. Somebody who's been in-house as a sitting CMO at least once before. I want to give more practical advice for the audience because the majority of them, if not all of us, have never been CMOs. So taking a step back, what do you think is required from a marketer when they start their career path in order to get to the CML spot? Let's not even talk about fractional CML. What does it take for a, C a marketer to become a CML, period? Yeah. So I think the first and most obvious thing is having experience across all different areas of marketing. So across brand and performance, qualitative and quantitative, big company, small company, you know, Really know like what we were talking about before about the portfolio lens, really being able to bring that portfolio lens to the table and not just be able to say what worked at one company, but being able to see what has worked at multiple companies at multiple different stages at multiple different parts of the business. Not getting siloed in, oh, I was a retention marketer at 10 different small companies, but I did retention marketing, I did acquisition marketing, I did brand marketing, I did paid social. So I think that that's just the, the breadth of marketing experience is one thing. I think the second thing is, and this is more of a soft skill, the ability to lead a team and being a really good communicator so that you can align lots of different people a lot to the same goal and be able to persuade not just your team, but up across across the organization, like build a strategy, sell that strategy up, down, across, and then lead your team to execute that strategy. So I think that's really important. Like the bigger the CMO job, the more people you're managing. And so having shown that is really important. And I think the third thing is really being able to think like a CEO, meaning Understand the numbers. Understand how marketing fits into the bigger picture of growth at the company. Understand how marketing fits into the PL. And therefore, it makes you more equipped to do the second piece, which is sell in your strategy. I want to pull a thread here that you mentioned because it was something that I was tasked to do earlier this year with full transparency. The listeners know from previous um, episodes, 
that this is something I actually failed in doing, which is building a marketing team. It was my first time doing it, had no experience doing it before, and I felt that there was a lot of challenges. And I know that there's a ton of information that you can impart, not only to myself, but also to any listeners who might be tasked either right now or in the future with creating a marketing team from scratch. It's very vague, but regardless of the industry or business model, whether it's B2B, B2C, um, service-based, product-based, or a mixture of the, of the two, how would you approach building a marketing team? I've also made lots of mistakes along the way, and I have so many thoughts on, on this. A few best practices. One is start with the job description and accountabilities, not with the person. So one of the biggest mistakes I used to make is I would meet someone and I'd be like, oh, they're awesome. How can I find a role for this person? But that's like a very undisciplined approach. What you should do is you should start with what needs to be done for this company to be successful. Sometimes people align that to KPIs. What, how does the business need to grow? Like how does conversion rate need to grow or traffic need to grow? And assign accountability based on that. And then go seek out people who specialize in doing, not just specialize, but have the appetite to take on those accountabilities. So I think that's one important piece. I think another important piece is like good, I think good marketing organizations, a lot of times like it's not all in-house. It's like in-house plus agencies plus contractors. And I think having a really good structure and cadence for getting everyone on the same page is critical to building an effective marketing team. And that's like really what Little Fist specializes in is that implementation roadmap cadence, meeting cadence on how to get everyone on the same page. So part of it's like getting the right people in the right seats. And then part of it is getting the right meeting cadence and structure so that everyone is aligned and, and rowing in the same direction. I'm curious to know, because everyone has their own way of doing this, when you're building on a team, is it something along the lines of like, you have a grand team, performance, or some sometimes people are calling it revenue. So performance or revenue, and then you probably have on the other side content, and content could fall under PRs, SEO, et cetera. Is it something along those lines? It really depends on the company. So one of my clients right now, product marketing is a whole division. And then there's brand marketing and PRs under brand marketing. And then digital, which is like the performance side of the business, rolls up to product marketing. So it really depends on the nature of the business, what you're trying to sell, how you sell that product, how you structure the team. So that's why I go back to like, you have to really understand, take that CEO lens, like what is the business? And then what are the, what needs to be done to drive the business? And then create the org structure based on that. When it comes to the CEO, this is another thread I want to pull. How do you approach managing up, establishing that relationship with the CEO so that they have full confidence in what you're doing and trust you to completely own marketing as a function? I think the first thing is communicating your process and giving them visibility into the process. So mm -hmm. For example, for all of my clients, I have a tracker. And in the tracker, I have everyone on my team fill out their top three priorities every week in that tracker. And then I have I have a list of everyone's top priorities for the quarter. 
And every week I have everyone track how they're doing on those priorities. Are they on track or off track to be done by the end of the quarter? I spend a lot of time getting to what those priorities are. And I give visibility to that to anyone that, not anyone that wants it, but like to the CEO, to board members. Like, by the way, the the KPIs are also in there on not just like sales, but like all the underlying KPIs that drive sales. And I welcome everyone to look at that however often they want. So transparency, that's like the first way is just providing transparency um, and giving them easy ways to access information. I think that is one way to build trust. Second way is hit your numbers. And the hardest thing to do is to tell the CEO your plan is not where they want your plan to be. You know, like I am anticipating X percent, you know, the CEO says I want 30% growth this year. And your job as the CMO is to say, I'm going to try for 30%, but based on current trend, based on what I'm seeing in the market, I think that 15% is more realistic or whatever the number is. And so I learned this at, at Walmart from my boss there, Andy, Andy Dunn. We always do, th- we do a budget plan, which is like, if nothing changes, if I'm, I should get fired if I don't hit the budget plan because the budget plan anticipates no growth, right? Then I have uh, the forecast, which is going to fluctuate every month based on how the business is moving. And then I have a goal plan. And the goal plan is like what I really want to orient the team around. It's really what we're trying for, but it's ambitious. And if, you know, a lot of times you don't hit the goal plan, I should, you know, if I hit the goal plan, I want high fives, I want bonuses, I want all these things. But I also want to orient you every month that like that's our goal plan. That's not our budget plan. And so I think Another way to earn the trust of the CEO is to really be clear on what your, what expectations should be, and then always, you know, trying to exceed expectations. What is one big mistake that you made in your career that actually imparted a very valuable lesson to you? I think like the biggest theme, like mistake that I've made over and over is like just getting very emotional about results versus really trusting the process. Because at the end of the day, it's work. And like work is a part of life. It's an important part of life, but it's not life. And so for many years of my life, I like would be really demoralized, really impact my life if like I wasn't hitting my numbers at work, for example. And now I try to contain that to say like, I'm going to be focused on what I can't control. And I'm going to orient my satisfaction with my, like, my pride in a job well done more about doing what I can, what it's in my control versus the externalities of, like, what numbers you can't. Three more questions for you. How should fractional CMLs evaluate opportunities with new potential clients? Well, I think this is such a new space that, like, there are a lot of challenges. When I first started doing this, I posted on LinkedIn and I said like, hey, does anybody want to be a fractional CMO? We're looking to recruit some. And I spoke to a ton of people who were being fractional CMOs and they all had the same problems. They had three problems. One was scope, scope creep. So they didn't define the scopes in ways that like made it very clear what was in scope versus not in scope. And so they ended up being effectively full-time employees, but they were getting paid to be fractional employees. The other challenge was like business development. So 
Like a lot of people want to be fractional because they want to free up some of their time. But in order to have, you know, have clients, you need to be doing biz dev, which takes up a third of your time. So like that was another challenge. Um, And so what we're really doing at Littlefish is trying to be that bridge in between companies and fractional to set fractional people up to have win-win agreements on both sides. So I would say my advice to fractional people is work with Littlefish to help you structure your projects. <laughs> when it comes to the companies that you've been interacting with and that your fractional CMOs have been act- interacting with, what is the number one marketing challenge holistically that all of them are facing this year? I don't know if they're all the same, to be honest. Like my clients are, by definition, I have like a $5 billion company. I have a $5 million company. So they're all very different in different stages. So I, I can't say that there's one commonality. Yeah, but that's reassuring to know. That means that regardless of whether you're in a 1 million annual recurring revenue versus 1 billion, the, the challenges will always change and evolve over time. There will always be challenges. And what I say is as long as we have different issues every week, then we're making progress. <laughs> I like that. That's a good mantra to keep in mind. Now, Arden, my last question for you is hypothetical because time machines don't exist. But if they did, and you can go back in time about 10 years into the past, knowing everything you know right now, how would you specifically accelerate the speed of your career? I would have focused earlier on on digital performance marketing. I found that later in my career, and it is becoming a bigger part of my job every every year. And I think we'll continue that way for until the end of time. So um, I think really dig into that, dig into the, the the quantitative side of marketing and the digital side. Perfect. And if anyone wanted to find you online, where can they go? I would go to um, Littlefish Growth to learn more about Littlefish, or you can go to my LinkedIn. And one plug is um, we are hiring. We have at Littlefish. We have a ton of CMOs, so that's not really what we're looking for right now, but we're looking for more junior folks, maybe folks listening to this podcast, to um, work on the platform of Little Fish. So I think it would be a really good learning opportunity for someone who wants that visibility to the full marketing funnel across brand and performance, wants to shadow really amazing CMOs on projects that they're doing. So yes, they're on the Little Fish website, there's an email address. If you want to apply, you can apply there. Perfect. And you heard it, folks. Definitely take advantage of this opportunity because opportunities like this don't always come by frequently. So as always, thanks for being on the podcast, Arlen. And thanks to you, the listener, for listening to another episode of the People Digital Marketing Podcast. If you're listening to this for the first time, please subscribe and rate us on whatever podcast app you are listening to this on. And as always, I hope you have a great week. Bye. On the next episode of the podcast, episode 110, we have Ashley Klein. Ashley is a digital marketing consultant and freelancing expert and is the VP and co-founder at Ice Cream Social. She has over 15 years of experience focusing on strategy, execution, and collaborative efforts. She also has experience working in event marketing, email, search, content marketing, and acquisition. So... If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe, rate us on any podcasting app that you're listening to this on, and look forward to next week's episode with Ashley. And as always, I hope you have a great day. Bye.